ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Competition is about to move into 2021 whatever that means whatever that means but this oh, is God. the last hard in the paint of 2020 and to join me on this very special episode is my friend my homeboy mr hank brady how are you doing sir what's going on dave happy new year happy holidays to you your fam everybody else oh man those car cougars uh uh, happy holidays to all of them, too, even though with the tough defeat yesterday, it was enough to get over, but I'm doing okay right now. Hope you're doing well, man. Let's shoot this. Let's, let's get rid of 2020. Let's get out of here, man. Let, let, we see the light at the end of the tunnel. Let's get the hell out of 2020. Right. Like today on social media, there have been a lot of people, both regular and celebrity, who are trying to throw their false positivity is what I call it in your face and be like, well, I don't see how 2020 didn't bring out the best in you. I don't see how 2020 didn't teach you how to hustle. I don't see how to, man, look, 2020 taught me a lot of things and yeah, hustling is part of it, but I'm just happy. And you know, you can attest to this too, man, to be standing here, to be sitting in front of this microphone and talking on December 30th and to be here this year, bro, the rest of that stuff, I ain't even sweating it. The things that yeah. happened in my professional life, in my personal life, overall, there have been some good things. There have been some really sad and tragic things to people that I know and people that the people that I love. Mm-hmm. But here we are. And to me, if you're going to knock anybody, it can't be people who didn't come out of this with a, who are coming out of this year are feeling all happy. The people I got a problem with, and you tell me, are the people who helped exacerbate the problems of this year, not the ones who struggled with them. In what sense? And are you just talking about popular media? Or are you talking about you people know, like I'm talking about shit? politicians. I'm talking okay. about people in your neighborhood that when you went to a store and you're just trying to go there and, they, you know, you're trying to wear your mask or whatever and just go about your business. There's those people who just want to be anti that. Yeah, or the man, people who yeah. just want, well, you know, who the people who say who complain the whole time and say, "Well, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do it." Man, it wasn't comfortable for anybody. People lost jobs. People lost. I know I lost a lot of money this year. I know you lost out on. Yes, this I year. lost money too. A lot of us lost money. I, I lost out on a lot of things to keep us on throughout the uh, throughout the struggle. But at the same time, I know a lot of people who, man, <laughs> they they in a ditch right now. But if and, you out there and you made this whole thing. And like, you know, everybody, every time we go through these kinds of tragedies or national events and things that people are talking about the lessons they learn, and then we go back to doing the same stuff again. If I'm not that person, I'm not saying I'm perfect. And I know you ain't, wouldn't say it either. Mm-hmm. We ain't perfect people. But at the same time, I never lost my empathy this year for the suffering of another person. And I think that's, that's what bothered me this year. The people who did not, who do not have empathy for what other folks went through, because it wasn't easy for everybody. It wasn't 
normal for everybody. And just because you were prosperous or just because you got through it unscathed, you have no business throwing that in somebody else's face. No, I would agree with you 100% on that and, and throughout this COVID process, because I wouldn't call myself the number one most em, em, <laughs> empathic empath that there has been in the world. But this this this, this COVID-19 situation, man, you saw from the beginning, because we, we went from like joking about it to feeling like this wasn't real, you know, to Rudy Gobert doing what he did and then everything knocked off and kicked off. And then you started seeing the flip side. You started to understand, you know, how real this was and how much it was, you know, affecting black folks, you know, uh, indiscriminately, you know, two, three times more than anyone else. And once that reality set in and you, and you saw everything, everything stopped, everything stopped moving. You know, when when, when are we going to go back to work? When, when are sports going to come back? When is life going to come back as reality? Then you started seeing like how some people were looking at this thing. And and we saw a lot of ugly, to be honest, especially in the political sphere. There's some things that I don't think any of us will forget. I mean, look, right now we're going through this whole $2,000, $600 check crap. And, and, and trying to pretend like $2,000 ain't nothing for people out here struggling. So it, it's a whole lot of stuff right now, but I'm glad that uh, we've been able to get through it for the most part. I've had some some people in my family suffer with it, had some scares myself. I think you and me know every time I came on your show, I was out there with the biggest uh, bullhorn in the world for Lysol. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I still have a couple of cans around here every day that I'm still spraying because this thing, even though we feel like it's over because the vaccines are here, it really isn't. We still got like five or six months left of the worst of this. So Yeah, we just saw another record in, in Louisiana today. Another yeah, it, it's disappointing, definitely on some level, especially when you talk about the politicians and that's here and you know why they're doing what they're doing. It doesn't have any any type of it's not grounded in any level of common sense. It's just like sports betting. Basically, at this point, we're going to follow, you know, the orange mascot wherever he tells us to go. So it, it's been it's been frustrating, obviously. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, I do see a lot of people with positive you know, feelings about what's going on and what's going on to the future. And I hope to add to that. Yes. I mean, like, I definitely go into the next year. You always, I mean, you know, was, um, James Baldwin said it. You got really only two choices, optimism or death. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's, some terms to, that's some terms to put it in. When you put it in those terms right there, I think it's an easy answer. And look, look, a lot of people are still, I know, I know a lot of times we want to rag these entities. They have a lot of money and, and this and that. But I think, you know, the NBA and, and the NFL in some ways, not giving Roger Goodell and whatever the type of respect, but at the local level, I think they've done a lot of good stuff, you know, trying to help out their workers. I think there's a, a situation in Miami where they were committed to help all the stadium workers, you know, financially, paying them immediately. Won't have to wait for their next and you know, I know there's some similar things going on around. So anything we can hit help from, from the sports community, anything they can put out to help, in, you know, during the election, you know, have the vote machines out. I'm not saying all of that 100% was the best stuff ever, but it, it points in a direction in which people are trying to care and trying to do something a little bit better for those less fortunate. And I hope it continues because we don't really talk about these people in this food. Every time I leave this house, there's a, there's a food line around Arthur Monday where there's uh, there's cars wrapped all the way around to where you get to Landry. And I don't think we see enough stuff like that in the media. Like people are struggling right now. And I think not a lot of people understand that. Yeah. It's, it's, this is not an inconvenience for, for a lot of folks. This is more than that. It's life and death. Literally. Literally. Not figuratively. It is literally yeah. life and death. Literally. And we're in here playing games in Congress over 602,000 when, when neither is enough, when neither is any money at all for, for actual real struggling family. 
so it's so, just it, it's just kind of putting a focus like where we're at the shadow games that's being played in this nation and who they're being played against so let's let's, let's do this through the frame a couple of different frames because i want to we wanted to touch on i talked to you just about this a couple of weeks ago and i said look i don't like doing lists you know you see every yeah. year people do these long top 50 things that happen the top 10 things and there's never any right way to do them. There's always something that you feel is left off and not done well. But I wanted to put a bow on the year um, through the through the mindset of just what were the things that really impacted us from these other major levels, and uh-huh. how did we see it? What what hit us the hardest? And in, and again, you can't touch on everything, but I think that there are enough cultural and sports related and just uh, other things that we're going to take away from this as as just momentous uh, periods or incidents over the course of this year when we look back. And so um, I took your original list that you sent me and I broke it into three groups and we're going to go through those groups and talk about these things. And let's let's go from local and we'll get broader from there. All right. So locally, the thing that started this year off really was LSU winning the national championship in January, completing in what many regards is the greatest individual season that a college football team has ever had. And you can't tell me otherwise. I don't know if they'll, I don't, I don't know if I will agree with anyone who says that that's the greatest collection of talent ever on one team. Miami. That, that is up for debate because Miami, yes, that Miami team, like, stocked the NFL. Like, that was like an entire, yeah, that was an entire, like, first round draft class, like, on pretty much on each side of the ball almost. Except for that, you know, yeah, that group. I mean, Miami had some just ridiculous classes, but for one season of just total dominance from start to finish, the greatest season in college football. And then you, you put a bow on that by going into Alabama and basically bruising them up at their home. So that adds like another little cherry on top of that. So yeah, it was an incredible year for LSU football. Like watching what we just saw a few weeks ago, it don't compute. If you were from a different place and you just landed here and you was like, okay, this is the LSU from last year, doesn't compute. Obviously, we lost a lot of players, COVID-19, et cetera, et cetera. But last year, that was a time to remember, you know, uh, Burrow smoking, the, the the cigar after the game. I mean, the boss night in the Superdome. Odell Beckham giving away hundreds and hundreds of dollars before they suspended his ass from the program <laughs> again. Man, I will never forget how fun that was. And just seeing just – you know, high birth because when the season started, no one thought this was going to happen. We thought we might no. have an okay team. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll win. We'll lose a couple of games. But you started seeing like little things here and there, little sideline throws by Joe Burrow where it's like, oh my God, how could a guy throw it to the sideline? That incredible, you know, little little plays in the game where he, he was getting out of trouble. He got hit at the last minute against Texas and was able to get the ball to, to one of our receivers for a touchdown. You just saw it build and build. So that was so great about it. It wasn't like they just came out of the block gangbusters by about that third fourth fifth game that's when you started to see it and it it just kept building from there man it was an incredible incredible season to watch and then since that time like you said since the 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 moment basically that that it became aware of Odell Beckham Jr. handing out the money since then nothing has gone right (laughs) for LSU not on the field when he just finished a five and five season not off the field where you have, you have coaches 
they got fired. You know, basically the whole offensive staff was going to be gone next year. The defensive staff gone next year, well, at least the, the leadership in that regard. And Bo Pelini, who we, we both talked about this and thought I was very suspicious of that hire when, when he was hired. Why did they do that, though? I, I'm trying to understand. Was it the whole uh, we lost – Aranda, like not. I think it's because that was his we boy. Thought we were. That's his boy. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm, he I'm hired his own boy. I understand that. I'm trying to find out if there anything else other than that. Because if it's that, if that was that, and it was just that and nothing else, then that's pathetic. That's pathetic. So I'm just trying to see if was there something. I mean, I heard there was you know rec- recommendations by Pete Carroll and stuff like that, but so what? So what? You know, what's Pete Carroll going to, of course, it's going, I mean, you know, coaches, that's all they give is letters of recommendation. Well, then if if that's, if it was just some good old boy stuff, then we got what we deserved. We got and what so, we deserved. But the thing that bothered me this year, and I don't want to dwell on it too much, but I just want to get your thoughts on this. And the thing that bothered me this most year was the thing that happened, the things that happened off the field. I was bothered by Ed Orgeron um, and the way he dealt with his players um, when they marched. Uh, yep. The way he dealt with uh, Coy Moore when he was arrested, um, uh, you know, for no reason and, and not arrested, but detained and felt up for no reason by the police in Baton Rouge. The way that um, LSU handled the sexual assault allegations of numerous women and yep. Ed Orgeron's name pops up in those reports. Um, those things to me and then. The fact that I think that Ed Orgeron, you know, at times, you know, uh, allowed some of these players to be criticized for leaving a program in a year where they had to make some tough decisions and didn't really speak up for them in that regard either. And yeah, it was very disappointing. Did, so did, was, was there another situation? Was, was there also, uh, and I'm not, I, I thought I saw this online earlier. Was there another situation with someone revealing a, a, a photograph of Coach O and, and, and not the greatest of situations? Uh, it, uh, well, you know, it's post his divorce, but uh, it's, it was unbecoming, shall we say, of the highest paid person on the state's payroll to be on Instagram photos in bed with his girlfriend. And with I mean, his, hey, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, he's There's divorced. No okay. You grown man, uh, illegal, yeah. but it ain't the look. It ain't that good. Ain't. Nothing is good with the way it looked, and all the players leaving. What we had eighteen some odd players leave for the draft, and then you had a few more players leave because of the COVID restrictions. And you're not lying. You're telling the truth, man. Ogeron, he did not step up for his players in a manner that I think that was, you know, befitting of what we're going through right now. And I think his players saw that. And I think some of that, you know, some of it was on the field this season. I didn't see extraordinary effort all the time in, in, in the games that I watched and, and him just screaming and hollering on the sideline, that takes a different, you know, that, that's, a, that's, that's looked at through a different prism when you're talking about everything you just said that's in the background because the players know that's coming from a guy that's done all of that. So just a very disappointing season for LSU football. I think a lot of people were hopeful thinking, hey, it's just a COVID year. Let's put an asterisk next to it. Something will be changed, you know, uh, next time around. They did, I guess, do some good things with firing Bo Pelini. Ensminger is going to move on. I think uh, a lot of fans have, uh, you know, kind of went through that process and, and ready for something new on, on that front. But, yeah, Ogeron, he's going to have to come back in this because there was a point in this season where I thought his job was actually in jeopardy. And that's pretty crazy from a guy that won a national championship just a season ago. Yeah, I, w- I would say that he's in the Gene Chiswick position at this point. 
he can't have another year. If LSU wins eight games next year or nine games, even if they win 10, but they lose to Bama, Florida, I don't think they bring him back. I, I mean, that's just because if you're Scott Woodward and you didn't hire Ed Orgeron, you don't owe Ed Orgeron nothing. And if there's this much stuff around the program and your job is to trim the fat, because this dude is going to make you, now you got to pay. All these coaches that got fired, they're getting paid in a time when LSU is short $80 million from in revenue from this year is what they're going to say. 80, at least $80 million short in revenue. So you got to pay those contracts out because he made bad hires at a high at a price higher than he should have paid. And now you think he's going to let him go through if they have another subpar year by LSU standards, which to me, if you're LSU, you're supposed to be holding yourself to the same standard of an Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, that type of thing where you expect to be in the college football playoff every year, right? Yeah, and I get it. Like I, like I said, this season, for the stuff that he's done this season with the COVID-19, he can lean on that coming into next season. One he's going to get somewhat of an – he's going to get somewhat of some leeway moving into this next season. He maybe not deserve it, but he's probably going to get a little bit of that. So we're going to have to see how he changes things up. He's fired, you know, two of, two of the, uh, the, the heads of the defense, the head of the offense, and he understands. I mean, he's not a dumb person. He knows that if LSU is, like, scraping it together next season, he's going to be in trouble because that's just what this job is entails and so i'm looking forward to him kind of writing the ship because he has no choice but to do so but let's see if he does it let's see if he if he's going to be a talking head on the tv pro i think he's a guy who who you know he's looked at it in america as, as much as somewhat of a cartoon character because of the boys go tigers and all of that type of stuff that he doesn't really engender the type of criticism that you would get you know, from somebody who was more of a straight-laced coach, you know, like a Dabo Sweeney or something who's always, you know, talking to the press, sounds a lot of righteous in what he's saying. So I think I think some of that allowed him to stay under the radar nationally because you didn't really hear a lot of stuff nationally about getting him out of there. But I, I think locally, we're looking at a situation moving in next season. Yeah, if LSU's looking terrible midway through the season, I can see him <laughs> being out of there. But it's going to be up to him. And at least, at the very least, he's made the, the right moves of getting rid of Pelini and, uh, and, and perhaps bringing a new OC. But that's going to be the story to start 2021 is going to be what happens at LSU, who gets hired, how the recruiting classes shake out, and do they retain um, some of these players who took the year off and may not come back to Baton Rouge. And that's Uh, his problem, and that's what he should have to do. He's the head of this program, and he's going to have to figure it out. Jeff Fisher, like, uh, stayed in the league, what, like 10 years on just firing assistants and and, and putting other people's head in the chopping block. Sometimes you have, like, some moves as a head coach. You might not think you have them, but sometimes you can put somebody on that sacrificial, uh, you know, on that sacrifice and, and still stay alive. I don't know if that's his plan, but you're right. Coming into this season right here, it has to be a different mindset. It obviously has to be a different look on the field. I mean, the defense was just atrocious on a level. I don't think anyone could have imagined COVID or no COVID. So he's got some challenges in front of him. But I think that, like I said, I mean, LSU is a type of a type of place where it's a good old boy type of place. And they're going to give him an opportunity to right the ship. But I would not be surprised if he's looking at that hot seat again near the end of next season. All right, let's move on. Another era ended. Uh, the Alvin Gentry, well, two, the Alvin Gentry era. Did it end? Hall. Did the Alvin Gentry? Did the Alvin Gentry era end? I feel like I've been watching them them play like the Alvin Gentry uh, era in the last few <laughs> games. 
Well, we'll, we'll get into that. But <laughs> Alvin Gentry, after another um, difficult season that ended in the NBA bubble um, with the Pelicans underachieving for a number of reasons. And there are a lot of things that we can lay at Alvin's feet. Not all his fault. Just, just your final thoughts on the coach who did give the Pelicans their first playoff series win in a decade, who did, you know, um, had he had some very exciting moments uh, and some intriguing opportunities that just never worked out. When I think about Alvin Gentry, what I think about, I think about, I'm not going to kill him because he came into a situation where I think a lot of coaches, you can replace his name. You can put any other coach in his position. If you were to tell that coach, I'm going to give you four or five years and you will never ever get the starting five that you wanted to get, or they will never be healthy. I think that that would hamper me a bit. So from that perspective, I do give him, you know, uh, somewhat a little bit of, of cover on that, just a tad bit of cover on that. Now to move forward with that, once he had it to where it wasn't going to be his way, he has to be a coach that's better at using the parts that he has available. And that's what I think Alvin Gentry never was able to show as a, as a Pelicans coach is that if the cupboard was full, he could get it going. He can get it rocking. He can do the things that he needed to do. But when the cupboard wasn't full and, and with dealer Dell and, and the situation we had with the Pelicans, it never was. He just wasn't a good enough coach to just use what the team had. I think that's what Stan Van Gundy kind of brings to the table that he didn't we'll still see Jerry's still out in these first four games we'll still see but I do respect the fact that Elvin Gentry came in under some weird circumstances I mean some some killer injuries you, you trade for DeMarcus Cousins you beat the best team in the league on national television and Cousins gets hurt you know doing a free throw thing Zion has one of the most amazing preseason games versus San Antonio he looks amazing in that preseason I still go back to that preseason game against the San Antonio in 2019 when I was like wow and he gets injured in that game doesn't come back then you get the situation with the minutes restriction then the stuff in the bubble he's looking bigger than he's ever looked etc etc so I do have a couple of chips that I'll throw in Alvin Gentry's way to to give him a little bit but for the most part I think his inability to adjust to the roster that he had not the roster that he wanted to have but the roster that he had I think that was his downfall yeah, I would agree with that. And then um, Drew Holiday, of course, moved on this offseason to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, Drew was Mr. Pelican. He was the guy who, who represented the franchise um, for, for better or for worse for all those years, um, particularly in the, the last, as the Anthony Davis era ended, um, Drew became much more prominent in the New Orleans community, all the way up to donating his entire salary Wow, man, what a great guy for that. To to Black-owned businesses and community efforts. Yeah, shout out to Drew and Lauren Holiday for that. But it also highlighted for me, real quick, is just how little um, the ownership of the Pelicans the owners. has done. Yeah, the owners. Um, to, to, to support those things in reality. Because Drew Holiday's salary um, is a lot more than the $1 million that Gail Benson has committed for the next 10 years. One million per year for the next ten years, on behalf of the franchise, not herself individually, of yep. the franchise, not her pocket. I think we can say that everywhere. We can say that in multiple places where players right. have done but incredible I, things. I, but I won't be local. We will hold, you, you think locally. Act you know. Think globally. Act locally. This is who is in our backyard. 
Gail Benson, the most the, the wealthiest person in the state of Louisiana, one of the most powerful women in this country. And I would say her giving has not been proportionate. Yeah, and uh, and ownership locally here, uh, we've seen how it's gone from time to time. They get a lot of the uh, accolades and a lot of the fanfare and a lot of the WWL and this and that and stuff like that. And you got to look deeper into what they're doing. And you're right. It, it's... It should never be a player should never have to do stuff like this, man. Zion should never have to come out and say, I'm going to pay for all the workers at the stadium for it. I mean, that's just that's just kind of Bush League. I think when, you, when you're talking about billionaires owning sports teams, they should be doing all that type of stuff. And what was encouraging is in the bubble, at the very least, the players had kind of figured out how to use that power, how to leverage some of that power. It isn't perfect yet. I don't think everyone has the game plan on how to do it, but I think they understand that they do have a power now to use against the owners to maybe get some things done. I think LeBron James, obviously, he would be the poster boy for some of the stuff that I'm talking about and some of the stuff in the bubble where he was criticizing owners, telling owners to step up, and they did step up to some extent, probably not as much as we want. But I think that we're in a a funny place right now. We're in a place where I think, a decade ago, we all knew that the players had the power. We used to sit around the table or sit around watching the game saying, man, if the players, you know, you always had one guy watching TV, man, if the players just said, fuck everybody and just walk, you know, they'd be able to get something done. If the player played, we always look like they're never going to do that. That's never going to happen. That's never going to, you know, players not going to. But now we're in a zone where the players are actually doing that. And they're actually threatening to leave games. And they're actually threatening, you know, to not play if the owners don't step up. So I think we're in a different phase. And I think we're going to see some hit or miss type stuff right now. We're going to see some stuff where players are going to try to use that power and get denied. And we're going to take some L's and we're going to take some W's. But you're right in the sense that Drew Holiday, players like that, they shouldn't have to be doing this. But kudos to him because, I mean, look, man, he's such a good man. You people understand Drew Holiday's upbringing, him and his brothers, the, you know, very religious mm-hmm. family. Father taught him to, to and mother taught him to be very, uh, you know, charitable human beings and stuff like that. So, you know, kudos to him for that. Absolutely. Um, the the man who has ascended in his in their place is the face of the franchise, uh, Zion Williamson. Um, you know, yeah, we first saw him in 2019, but he really didn't play until 2020. And um, we've gotten what I think we're now up to 28 games of Zion Williamson's career, 28 games. Damn, and it's crazy. That's <laughs> crazy. Uh, but the way we talk about him online, you think he have been playing three years straight. I mean, it's and we've had 28 games, 28 games. What does what does Zion represent <laughs> to you? And, and is he is he legitimately um, what? people expect him to be oh man I'm, I'm i've been going back and forth on this one dave online talking to people like you talking myself in the mirror oh, man i he does not look the same that he in that san antonio preseason game i am waiting for him to look like that again and the more that he doesn't look like that the more i feel like he won't ever look like that and i don't know how to think i don't if Zion has a career where he scores 25 and 10, that's his career. And he's not a super high flying guy that's dunking down there. He'll dunk every now and again. Is that, is that what we want? Is that, is that, is that. If he gives cool? you Blake Griffin's career. If Can he, he gives you that? Blake Griffin's career. Are you happy with that? I don't think that's enough. I don't think that's enough. Blake Griffin's career. I think Blake Griffin was a player who had a window of ascension and he didn't get through that. He didn't get to that next level. And I think Zion may have that too, but I just, for me, 
where is the Duke motor? Where is that? And I'm not saying this to criticize him heavily because I'm one of these people that's online defending him a lot. Right. Uh, but now we're going to, you know, we're getting deep into it. Where is that Duke, that, 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 that motor that moving around the court at, at a ridiculous pace and, and with huffing and puffing, you could see it when he was at Duke. I don't see that a lot of times. And I'm wondering why is that? Is that something he's being taught to help him with his recovery or, or whatnot? And just, let's just be frank, bro. In the lower body, he is, he, he's a little bit too big in the lower body still. I don't know what we could do about that. I don't know if that's just the natural, you know, muscle mass, you know, whatever we have to to, to equate or compute on that. I'm not sure. But he just seems like he needs to be a little bit thinner and move a little bit quicker. Everything else I'm loving. I'm loving the fact that he can still score basically on anybody in this league, regardless of their size, regardless if they're way taller than him or even wider than him or whatever. He has the movement and the sneaky ability to be able to score all the time. But even with 29 games in, in his career, I, I'm still a little bit worried i don't see that intense fluidity you know motor type of uh, of stuff from him that i saw at duke and i don't know what your thoughts on it does that does that still exist within him um i didn't i never believed that he was a great defender when he was at duke never well, not a him. defender i'm not saying a defense great defender. Are you talking energy, the level movement. of energy um, yeah the, the energetic movement yeah, I, I, I'm like you. The other night, the home opener, I was there. Um, and in the first quarter, I said he doesn't look like he has bounce. And he shot about 37% from the field against the Spurs in that game. Yep, probably his worst. That probably was his worst field goal percentage game of his career. The, the only one I think that comes close is the Milwaukee game when Giannis really was. Yeah, when Giannis was on. Yeah, Giannis oh, covered him pretty good. Yeah. And uh, ooh, look, that's Giannis too. But yeah, he struggled against the Spurs. I mean, we saw him get his shot blocked by Jacob Purtle. Saw him get his shot blocked by DeMarco Rosen. Saw him get his shot blocked by Rudy Gay. I'm not um, really worried about. I'm not really worried about his. his shot. I mean, he's gonna figure. No, it out. I'm, I'm not talking about. I'm just saying he just didn't look like he had the bounce. Yeah. The the, the, the that what you're talking about that explosiveness that extra gear. You ha- I haven't seen it through four games this season. I haven't seen a moment yet where you went, oh, like there have been some nice plays, but there hasn't been that moment like where you thought he was from another planet. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, that's what I'm looking for, the other the other planet stuff. And, and what I'm saying is if that is gone, if that's gone for good, man, that kind of sucks. <laughs> now, I'm, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not willing to say nothing that definitive after 28 games. I'm not going yeah, to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, but I think that there are expectations that people need to remove from Zion. You know, I, I, I was bothered when everybody, when David Griffin in particular um, said that, you know, Zion could be three, he could be this. And look, stop putting that thought into people's heads because that automatically has people thinking of him shooting threes and doing these things. I don't know if that's ever going to be in his game. I'm not worried about it. It may at some point as you get older, everybody adds, start shooting more jumpers because your legs ain't, as, ain't the same. Mm-hmm. That's just the nature of the game. Hell, he shot a couple of mid-range jumpers in the last game. I never even seen him attempt in his career. So, so maybe his thought process is going toward that. But my main thing is we have to understand that Zion Williamson is not going to win a rebounding title in the NBA. No. He is not a great rebounder. That's, that's no. just not – he's a great he offensive that, rebounder. Right? He's not a great rebounder. And it's something that you don't – yeah, I, I you can get better, but it's also something that you don't teach. You don't see guys all of a sudden 
go from being mediocre rebounders to being great ones. And his defensive rebounding numbers are mediocre. They were mediocre when they were at Duke. He is a great offensive rebounder, particularly on his own shots. He's fantastic at it. Yeah. But he's not a great defensive rebounder. He's not a great defender. And I don't think he will ever be a great defender. And I'm good with that. Yeah, he just needs to be a serviceable defender that blocks a shot every night. But I don't even see that. I don't even see that stuff. No, Duke. he doesn't when block Duke shots. Ran out on the three point shooter and just blocked the shot out of my. Like I saw him do that multiple times. And I can't imagine with a gun to my head. <laughs> I couldn't imagine him doing that in the pros. Because when he comes up to that three point shooter, he's content with letting that guy take that shot and just giving up that little whatever little hand, you know, <laughs> that, that doesn't even matter to an NBA player. He's content with that right now. Again, for me, when it comes to guys of his talent level offensively, I've always had kind of a mental kind of a way of looking at it to where if you're out there scoring 25 to 30 points and giving me seven, eight, nine, ten 10 rebounds, I'm going to design a team around you that can kind of deal with some of those things that you can't yes. do. And that is fine. That is how the NBA works. When you have right. a player that's dominant in one area, you surround players around him that can take up the slack on those things. That's why I like Steven Adams. That's why I love Steven Adams as I was one of the first people online saying, let's get Steven Adams. People's like, what are you talking about? You need a five that can shoot. And I was like, no, we need a junkyard dog yep. <laughs> that can rebound and, and can allow our players to roam a little bit more and to be a little bit free. That's what we need. So I'm not huge on Zion. Never becomes a great defender. Or never like I'm not mad at that. If you're going to score 30 and 10, we're going to take that. I just want to be a good team defender. Just be a good team defender. But right. Yeah, yeah, just be a, a decent team defender. But it's not that so much that I'm not seeing him defend. It's like we're saying, we're not seeing that level of athletic bestiality that we had seen to make us think that he's going to progress into that. And that is what's worrying me a bit, even with 28 games. I still love Zion, still loving what he's doing, still love you. I think I think he'd be averaging 30 a game if we had a player that knew how to throw the ball in the goddamn post. I mean, that, that is an art that if you were in the nine right now you get kicked off a team because basically no guard can throw the ball no, in the post, post without almost losing the ball or, or not giving it to him i mean post entry pass was the easiest shit in the world in the 90s in 2020 you can't they can't it, it, it's one of those things that just frustrates me to no end but getting back to zion a bit i'm not mad at nothing i'm seeing in terms of his offense i know he's gonna have to learn some more moves he's gonna learn some counters he's 28 games and he will learn those things right but what i need to see is whether or not we're still in that zone of he's not really 100 he's good but he's still you know he's still gonna get but is that truth or is that fiction and i'm just trying to figure that out because i don't know what to think anymore when it comes to that because i have not seen that guy that i saw in that preseason game versus san antonio in 2019 and i'm frustrated because i can't i want to see that guy so bad dave we, we shall see. That'll be the story of 2021 with the Pelicans is because I think we're, I think everybody's on fully on board with Brandon Ingram. I think everybody has said, Hey, I believe that Brandon Ingram could be yep. Durant, if not Kevin Durant. Yeah. Kevin Durant like, and that, that is, if that's what somebody told you you were getting back for Anthony Davis, you would have been say fantastic. Yeah. In and of <laughs> Definitely. In and of like that for sure. So, yeah, so I think that's the thing, obviously, with the Pelicans that you're going to watch. Whether they make the playoffs or not, I don't know. But the thing that everyone's eyes will be on is Zion's development um, there. The New Orleans Saints going to 2021, and we don't know if this is their last dance, something we will talk about on the other side, the cultural side, in a minute. But they, this is the, could be the last ride for this group with Drew Brees. 
They are likely going to be the number two seed in the NFC playoffs. Alvin Kamara has gone from being um, local superstar to maybe the best all around back in the NFL. So, uh, and touchdown machine. Is this yeah, he's a bona fide superstar. I mean, he's a superstar just because of his intangible things. Like, even as long as he was this good, all the intangible stuff with the, the you know, the teeth and the hair and, the, and his personality and his culture uh, and all of that, all of that was going to add to that if he was going to be good. So he's already a cult superstar right now. I think that, that's, that's clear. Is, is, who is more New Orleans, Brandon Ingram or Alvin Kamara? <laughs> I would probably go Brandon Ingram, but Brandon Ritten will tell you nothing. You know, there's some cats in New Orleans that they're, they're, they're scary because they're silent. You know, there's some cats in New Orleans where, you know, they don't bother nobody, they don't tell nobody nothing. You know, you come to the party, you get a plate, but if something go down, it's like, oh, whoa, whoa, this boy's real. Yeah, he shows up and they be like, and you know, he's the cat that you see in the hallways. Brandon yeah. Ingram is the dude that just be in the hallway. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, like, just be chilling, man. Just everybody liking me. And, if, and you walk by and be like, what's up, Slim? And he give you that nod, but you don't say nothing. Yeah. Like, and everybody just walk by, and he always in that spot. And you don't know what he really do. Just be cool. Spot. Yep. And then, but like just you said, cool. if, it, if, it's, if, if you see him walking, you know, like with purpose, it's like, oh. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. oh, oh, something must have happened. Oh, oh, okay, all right, I, and that's how I feel about that's how I feel about him. Definitely, AK. I don't know, AK. He seemed like a more worldly cat to me, uh, just based on a lot of interviews and stuff. That like he has a good head on his shoulders. Like he understands where he's at in this world. You know, like that's one thing that I, I like about him when I hear him uh, and I read stuff about him. I read some of his comments on things. Like he he really understands like who he is and what he is in relationship to this world and how everything is bigger than him. And he, he's just a small fly that's just getting it done. Like I think he has the right mindset overall. But Brandon Ingram, I don't know about Brandon. Like I'm, he's mysterious. He's, he's one of those, you know, uh, I love you know, that night ward, night ward, mysterious cat. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and the way he just like, he, he steps right out of the corner store and you would if, yeah. if you did if you didn't know that he <laughs> played ball goals, huh? if you didn't know that he played ball you'd be like that's just that dude yep. the way he, he's so he's camouflage you know what i'm saying like the way he dresses is so new orleans like he walked in and i thought he was from i said i know where i know where his people are from i know that <laughs> town. I know his, yeah <laughs> i know his little town in north carolina man and it's like but he's New Orleans to the core. That dude crossed that canal. Found, yeah, he looked like he crossed that canal for sure. Bruh, he he looks like he was born and raised. He looks like he was born. And, and I raised. like his mentality, man. I like that. I like that he takes things on. I mean, he's not a very talkative guy, as we already said. I mean, not a lot of guys on this team are talking the last few years. But I like that when it, when he does answer a question, he puts it on his shoulders. He takes the blame for things. He tries to, you know, lead by example out there on the court. So I like his development definitely where he's going. And just think a few years ago, he had a blood clot. We were thinking he was looking at a situation like my man in, uh, in Miami uh, with the blood clots. Is he ever going to even play? So to come from that and the show this league, what he's doing is really amazing right now. I think on the court, though, the one thing that he has to do for us to still be successful is that is that sometimes he he gets into these spells where he feels like he has to do it all by himself. And I think sometimes that takes the offense and into crazy places. But other than that, I, I mean, it's just been phenomenal what he's been able to do since he's yeah. gotten here. Yeah, I think that's part of the learning process for him, too. 
you know, you, you, you grow into being a superstar. It's not something that you learn. Um, you know, like you, you, there's no guidebook for it. You just grow into it and, and that figuring that out. And this is the opportunity that he's being given now is to, this is your team, take it and lead it. And I think he's going to run with it. Um, a lot of people thought he would be the, uh, the jewel in the, in the Lakers now. I mean, a lot of people thought it, it was, was always, ball and, yeah. The focus it, is always on Lonzo. That's what he's it was. The jewel. He's the jewel. He's the jewel. And and we got the jewel. And I mean, you couldn't get much better than what you got for Anthony Davis, man, without getting nothing. I uh, so I like so those who are online stunting and whatnot, look, this is how it was gonna go. You never get exactly what you get or give away when we're talking about NBA superstars. So again, if you get the rant junior, like you said, we take it. Bro, no Mardi Gras in 2021. No Mardi Gras, no parades in 2021. Well, brother, brother, I don't I don't think I was going out there anyway, brother. I, I would, but I'm just saying that tells you culturally, you know what I'm saying? Like for, for New Orleans to have to say it, for New Orleans to have to say it preemptively, knowing what happened this past year, you know, that 2020 created New Orleans as a hot spot for COVID. That's what Mardi Gras did last year, this year. And How did so we not catch it? I the impact rage last now, year. Catch it? the impact now is that there is no Mardi Gras. The defining cultural event for the world yep. of what New Orleans is. COVID. I wonder if Brazil is doing their Mardi Gras. I wonder if they're going to do their. Oh, Brazil gonna have Carnival. Yes, Brazil will have Carnival. I'm just saying, man, that's a lot of black folks in Brazil that's gonna gonna catch that COVID. Man. I'm, I mean, but I'm, that's care. the problem they, they with Brazil. They, that's the problem. They got Trump. They got uh, uh doppelganger as yeah, their not good uh, there. is the head, and so he he really doesn't care that the black and brown folks over there are getting it. So, I, man, Carnival is going to be something else. It's going to be covid all whatever way you want to pronounce it. But, uh, yeah, I'm good with Mardi Gras not being here. I, I, I understand what's going on. I think that at this course, at this point in time, if you don't understand what's going on, then, I mean, we just got to leave you behind at this point in time. So it's not the best thing in the world to have – hundreds of thousands of people beating together while there's floats running around throwing stuff at you. So I'm cool with it. I, obviously, we wish for a different situation, but I mean, damn, how lucky we were to get Mardi Gras last season considering what, what went down? Like, I mean, it, how did I not catch it, man? I was at like so many parades. Yeah, yeah you're fortunate, man. You're fortunate. Yeah, lights all. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's go to the other parts of sports because things did change. You know, Mardi Gras with no thing. We lost in sports. Um, the year started in sports. The biggest thing of the year, the biggest story of the year is the loss of Tiger, of, uh, I would say Tiger, loss of uh, Kobe Bryant. Um, Kobe Bryant in January of 2020, it kind of set the tone really for the whole year. Yeah, and that was, man. Cause I was never really the biggest. Co- I, I was a big Shaq fan and, and old Kobe and Shaq stuff. I was all on Shaq's side mostly, and I have a friend in a four man text group for about twenty years that we just go at it about Kobe for years and years and years. But I always respected the player. I ain't never in a million years wouldn't give him his respect as a player. And I understand how good he was and how much he meant to the culture and whatnot. Is so it was just a big shock. You, you you just don't see stuff like that. You know, you just a lot of these sports stars, these sports heroes, these guys we watch growing up and until. Adulthood, you just feel like they're invincible. You just feel like they're gonna be there forever. And for for him to die in 2020 like this, it just kind of just hit different. It hit everybody different, friends and foes alike. And I, I just 
it, it just was a seminal moment that I don't think anyone is gonna gonna ever forget uh, in a bad moment, obviously. But no one's gonna forget that about 2020. Him and some others that we'll talk about as well, just not being there, man. And the manner in which it was, I think uh, it just came on the air, and then they said all his kids were 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 killed at first. So you had the heartbreak. Oh my God, he lost all his kids. And then they had to come back and redo the story and say, Oh no, just lost one of his daughters. Like, oh, you still feel terrible for that. And yeah, that 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 Kobe stuff hit different, man. It did. And and I think it's it's there are always those individuals. And this year we lost a lot of people. Like you said, there's just so many. I mean, just today you lose um and it's 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 always weird to say it, but you lose Shabadu, who is one of the great hip hop dance of all time in the you know and and, and most famous from the movie Break Shabba In. Doo died. Wow. Yes. I did not know that. I'm just seeing I'm just hearing about that. Wow. Yes. So Shabba Doo died. I um, heard that Coach Clark though that I actually heard Joe Clark. Joe, Joe, Joe Clark, Clark. Yeah. Died. Joe yeah. Clark. Principal Joe he Clark. He used to call me Crazy Joe and now they call me Batman. He's dead. He passed <laughs> away. Um, ecstasy from Houdini died. I mean like you had these uh, just in the past week. You know like the and you had you know just NBA legends, Wes Unsell passed away. You, you oh, know what I mean? Man. We've had NFL players uh, who passed away. It's just um, actors, actresses, and, and the thousands and thousands of other Americans who lost their lives for different reasons this year. Um, and then the one that, yeah, kind of also hit different in a way, for particularly for, for, for Black people. Definitely. Chadwick Boseman. And it was a well, I mean, how much of a shock was that to everybody that he was dealing with this for what, uh, like a couple of years he was dealing with this and he still hit it and he still was able to still come out with some really good movies and obviously do Black Panther. And man, I just couldn't I couldn't believe it, bro. It's just uh, because what he did was so much bigger than what probably he even thought that he did, you know, like Mm -hmm. something like this that had never really occurred almost fully black, you know, cast of players having this much budget as a movie the first time in history, black writers, producers, executive producers, everything coming together and for him to be the main cog of that. And it probably put more weight on him than I think that he even realized. I mean, there are kids running around in, in little villages and stuff that could barely get a television signal or going, you know, to Shala, you know, and it's it's it's, it's crazy what he has meant to, to, to so many. But man, what what what, what a tough character, huh? To, to, to go through this on low while he was doing these Black Panther movies and whatnot. Uh, man, you know, condolences to Chadwick Boseman, man. Yeah, to be a symbol that is bigger than being an actor. And, and there are certain people, there are certain roles that do that. Um, and certainly, like, you know, remember when, when we were, uh, this is probably the edge of your childhood in a kind of way, but... When Christopher Reeve, who played Superman in, in the movie, yeah, nah. and he first he broke his his spine was paralyzed and then he passed away. And it was like still to this day, there's never been anybody who's been Superman. Yeah, that, that's exactly how I feel. I was sick. I was sick. Like my God, he's a paraplegic. He was a paraplegic first before right. he even right. He fell you know, off a horse and, just, and just, was, just yeah, just thinking of him as a paraplegic. You know, understanding how much I love those movies as a kid, man, that shit hurt, man. So and it was irreplaceable in that regard because no one has ever been like they've tried it with all these other actors yep. and it's never right. felt the same. Never and, felt the same. Um, it's not like Spider-Man. It's not like there's certain and and Black Panther me is a symbol. It, it is it was an arrival in yep. a way. 
a cultural arrival because it, for the most part, black superhero films were limited to what Blade with Wesley Snipes. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Meteor Man. Um, <laughs> and, and that's not to degrade Meteor Man because Robert Towns, hey, look, you put, a, you put folks at work. You know what I'm saying? The Golden Lords, so you put people at work. I mean, if you throw a Meteor Man, you might as well throw Handyman in there. But you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what the limit was, was comedy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, hey, look, I enjoyed those movies. I enjoyed Handyman. No, yeah, Come on. you know, uh, 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 comedy, <laughs> Blank Man. That's what you're talking about, Blank Man. And, oh, yeah, Blank uh, Man, Blank Man. Blank Man. Sorry, so it was like, this, it's this very limited thing. That, but all of those, as cool as they were, Blade is a vampire. He was not us. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, his experience is not us. Um, Spawn is not us. I cannot relate to a person who is um, part <laughs> demon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying like but Black Panther was an embodiment of what is We've now arrived. Known as We've arrived. Afrofuturism We've but it was yes we are on equal footing we can open a movie a black actor can open a superhero movie and it can be number 1 in the country in the and world. it can be so badass that it gets nominated for Oscars not that that it needed that for us to dig it. Yeah, I always got something to say with these Oscars that they try to give us for the, uh, uh, that's a whole You know, thing. like we, I don't need it. Jennifer it Hudson like, and, and yeah. Denzel getting the Oscar for the slave and the cop when my uncle could have done those two roles. He's done so many better roles than the slave. Right, the I'm, but I'm just, I'm just saying, yeah, people, yeah, we, what I'm saying is for Black <laughs> Panther to get in there and to be, to be, to be so powerful that it became essentially a tent pole but uh, for the franchise, it, it's just, it was an amazing thing. And Chadwick Boseman, who played and portrayed other iconic black figures like Thurgood Marshall, I mean, James Thurgood Brown, Marshall, Jackie Robinson. Um, it's just, in I mean, a lot he played of ways, Thurgood he, Marshall well with a melanin situation that was yes. everyone talked about. And he played him well uh, anyway. But in that way, he embodies 21st yeah, century black manhood for the last decade yep. he is the the symbol on celluloid of that 20 to 40 year old black man and in a lot and Chadwick Boseman it was he, he he what he could have been is also part of that he's he goes in that um rarefied place that we put a notorious B.I.G. a Billie Holiday mm-hmm. You know, the artists that have gone too soon and Not you could only imagine the them doing something greater. The top of their art, yep. Yeah, and my only thing I would say about it, and I know you mentioned this earlier in the discussion that we were just talking about right now, is that I don't want to see the franchise die. I, I actually have a different look on that. I oh, love no, I Chadwick Boseman. I, I don't think you can have somebody else be T'Challa. I think you're going to yeah. you're gonna have to call him something. I disagree. I think you go ahead and you replace him with another. Listen, listen. Is the point to have these stories being told? Is the point to continuously have these stories being told? You can't have these stories being told if you stop it. Whenever right. a white actor dies and, and, and there's something, they just bring in another actor and they reboot or they restart and they do the thing. I remember one of the big, uh, remember I can think it's the well, Spartacus. I mean, yeah, we've had four different, we don't know, I mean, we've had, we're on a third different Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. and I, well, a good example, a good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, we got a brother in Spider Man too, so let's let's take the the good with the bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, what I was thinking of is the Spartacus show, the Spartan show, where they had the guy the first season on Stars with the Spartan show, and I mean, it was a great, great show. It was like what are you uh, talking Roman. about? It was what? a it was a. Did you see the show called Spartacus? 
that used to come on Stars a long long time ago. No. They lost their act. The main actor, all right, well, just for long story short, the main actor died after the first season and they went ahead and replaced him with another guy and the story still was really, really good and whatnot. So I'm just saying Chadwick Boseman's situation, as long as you have a good story. It better be, it's gotta be, I think that it has to be an unknown then. It has to be somebody that you don't know who fills that role. I just think it has to be somebody that can act. If somebody is good. Yeah, somebody who who can act, but I mean, you can't, you can't like all of a sudden switch it over like it put, I mean, not Jamie Foxx or nothing like that. <laughs> like somebody that we already know. But if they got a, you're gonna a be like, decent no. actor out there that can take it, take him on. Yeah. Okay. I'm perhaps, that. perhaps I'm just a little bit more lenient on stuff like that. I, I, I'm not a guy that thinks if a guy died, we're gonna just destroy the whole franchise is over with. No, 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 no. no, no. Like, the but there's, there's too much that. money involved for them to the, stop it. And anyway. they keep, and they keep the key stories. They get to keep stories over and over and over and over. So I don't have any problem with black folks being able. Stories over and over again from different angles, from different prisms, from different contexts, yeah. you know. And I think Chadwick will want will want that. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think you know, it's people working, that's jobs. You know what I'm saying? Like, and there's too much money involved. I'm serious. Marvel ain't turning down that kind of money. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's well, they're already talking about letting the sister like maybe do the. But that's from the comic. That is a story from the comic book, though. That is a legit online. story. That's a legit story from the comic book, though. Yeah, I'm well, sure she can so. do it. She can definitely do it. And I'm, and I'm all on board. I'm just saying the T'Challa character being dead and that's it forever because Chad. No, no, I'm not saying that. I, I don't think that's the right way to play this. No, that's, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the other then that I guess the other kind of cultural thing that that kind of transitions to actually is you have that franchise, but then Star Wars, which had kind of diminished itself with the last trilogy. Ugh. I'm sorry, it was it was not good. Um, it, the, that's Who would have thought when we were kids that the, that the, this trilogy would be almost as bad, if not worse, than the prequels? <laughs> right. They were terrible. And I'm sorry. They, they were terrible. They had some great scenes. Yeah, some were, good moments here and there. Moments, but it seemed like it was so especially the Abrams ones were built primarily on doing fan service. Like it was a bunch of cameos, cameos, yeah. same beats, same story, nothing original. It, yeah. Even the, I mean, even the end. Come on, a bunch well, of. Well, the last two were just so. The last two, like the first one's okay. It's not. It's not really rewatchable. I give it that. I mean, one of the things that make the old Star Wars franchise great is that you can rewatch the movies over and over, find different stuff, have have certain things that you like. The, the, the new trilogy, the first movie, against when I was the second and third time, I was like, oh. I think I like this too much in the first because it's not as good as I thought it was. There was no really reason to rewatch it. But the next two were more political statements. And it was more political statement of uh, of The Last Jedi was so bad and we put so many people, you know, so many minority characters and this and that. So in the last installation, I'm going to take everything I did in Jedi and throw that away and I'm going to make something new. So I think the third one suffered from the second one being what it was. But they didn't have no, but they had no story. They had no story. The three of them yeah. together, there's the end, the resolution is the last scene is awesome. When she the says, one, I'm, Yeah, the last I, one's hard. The last scene, the last scene where she says, What is your name? And she says, I am, um, you know, Ray Skywalker. That, that's, a, that's a really powerful scene. It, it's cool. Yeah. But the story from, Episode getting there, yeah. The story getting there was terrible. You know, none, none of it makes sense. It was awful. None of it makes terrible. None of it makes sense. It was, it was, it was, hey, let's try to make everyone happy and, and just do this long two hour nothing. music video where idiotic stuff happened. So, 
Look, they, they lost me when Princess Leia got blown into space and flew back into the ship. That's where that's yeah. where I was done. Brother, Solo and Rogue One. Rogue One sucks. No, Rogue One sucks. I don't love Rogue One, but I'm saying Rogue One is better than the trilogy. I don't Solo love is Rogue One. Solo is better than Solo people want to give it credit for. Rogue uh, One, I Rogue One is overrated. I, I, Rogue I, I One is overrated. Asleep. I fell asleep in the theater watching Rogue One, so I'm not here to say that it was great. Everybody I'm is hyped on Rogue One for the Darth Vader scene. I'm with you. Yeah, I the argue dark. those folks. Yes. too. You can check my timeline. Rogue One with Melancholy. And it only two. works for the for the Vader scene. You're only yes. in it for the, the Vader, Vader scene. scene. Is great. Yep. It, but everything else was kind of boring. And it and it misused one of my favorite actors of all time, international actors, Donnie Yen, having him running around saying the Force is one. I'll be one with the Force. The Force is one. We the Force is one. The Force is one. like saying some stupid crap like that. So I get it. But in comparison to the to the trilogy, it was a good movie. It was good in yes. comparison to the trilogy, in my opinion. But the but Mandalorian, you, yes, now they revived now it with, with Disney Plus has changed the game on all of it. Twenty twenty belongs to the Mandalorian. First, the child, which now has a name that we nah, know. He baby Yoda, he baby Yoda, dog. I don't care about all that Grogu crap. That's baby Yoda. You feel me? But, I mean, you created a, not only a cultural phenomenon in the show, but the baby Yoda became something that is everywhere. And not only that, like you said, it, it may have saved what people were getting tired of with Star Wars. The Mandalorian is very much a Western. That's what it is. It's a Western. It's a lone guy going through yep. the, 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 the frontier, which is space, and trying to survive with his gun and his wits. That's what it is. It's a Western. And, and that's why. And I think the reason it's been so good for Star Wars is because it's allowed Star Wars to breathe something the trilogy and the movies will not do. There's always a kamikaze force and all the movies you're heading toward this big bad, this big thing, this other thing, this undescribable thing. But in The Mandalorian, you get to actually soak up the Star Wars environment. You get to just walk around and see normalcy within the context of something that's futuristic and, you know, and, 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 and crazy and other galaxy and other world. And that's what I think has been so enjoyable about them because we get to just walk on the streets, talk to the people, get a sense of who, who these people are, what this is about. And it just has been a, a, an incredible fun watch these last two seasons. And now you see that, and I hope they don't make a mistake with this because I think there's a double-edged sword to this uh, style, but now we're seeing they're going to have like, come out. The Boba Fett <laughs> they bring back Anakin Skywalker. They bring back Kenobi. They bring uh, what? what the Boba Fett series is the first one that's coming, though. The Boba yeah, Fett series is the first one. That's like coming. a four episode series. I can't wait to watch that. I think his backstory is amazing. I found out about his backstory recently. I, I went down one of those rabbit holes. We just find out everything about a character's backstory, and now that I found out about his backstory, it makes him even more of a compelling character. And I think that it will work very good, what he just did, like taking over Jabba's <laughs> crib and all that. I think that's going to be nice. But I, I think Disney Plus got it right. I think uh, they got it right, man. They're allowing well, it. I, like you said, I agree with you. They allowed it to be fun again, like to let it breathe, to tell stories, to develop yes. characters that whether you like their characters, you can like their characters, you can be indifferent about. Every episode is not a winner. 
There are bad yep. episodes of The Mandalorian. I'm yes. not going to be one of the people and lie and say that every episode was you know what? The, the greatest they're peak bad, like they're, they're bad like Xena the War Princess or like uh, Hercules. or Like they're bad, but they're like cheesy good bad. The bad ones, I think. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> you, you, your bar for what The Mandalorian is is you understand it's episodic television. It's just yeah. framed within a, the Star Wars universe. And in episodic television, there are beats that have to be hit because you have a certain yep. amount of time. And some of those beats on a show aren't great, but some of them have been genius. Like to me, the greatest, the best episode in season one was the one on the prison ship. That was my favorite in season one. Ah, uh, okay. And, I like and, that episode too. I wouldn't say it was my favorite, but I did enjoy that episode as well. I like I like how they brought old boy back in this season yes. in the episode where he took his mask off. Yes. I thought that was important the way they set that up. And also I thought it was cool how they've been setting it up for a while. Now he was going to take that mask off. And I think that in reality, in the real world, he was going to fire his agent if they didn't write something that's going to take that mask off because you don't want to be in the number one show in the world and no one knows what the hell you look like. Oh, yeah. So they had, they had that to, into the yeah. story. Now it doesn't so make sense. That into the story brilliantly, and I thought part, that was one of the best episodes. The part that this. doesn't make sense though is that he shouldn't have a mustache. There's no <laughs> way because uh, I read this somewhere, and it was a great point. No one keeps a mustache unless you intend for people to see your mustache. Because otherwise, what if you're not, you, if, what if you're not a great mustache grower though? There but look, but you wouldn't have a mustache. You still have to get up and shave the mustache. So either you would grow a beard which makes no sense because you're wearing a helmet or you'd be clean shaven, which <laughs> makes more sense. Because well, if you're wearing a helmet every day, you'd be clean shaven. And it's just that the actor does, he looks better. He thinks he looks better with a mustache. And I feel you. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go ahead and say, this is the way, this is the way. Because right. he's also the, the, <laughs> the, the, the Mandalorian is also the male lead in Wonder Woman 1984. But he doesn't and, have a mustache. And know. he has no mustache in, in Mortal Woman 1984. Yeah. Which I heard is terrible. I have it, is, it right it is, now. On, it is. No, no. I'm not, I'm I heard it was it. terrible. I have it on my desktop right now. No. I was going to watch it. Then I read the reviews. and I No, watch it. It You have to, again, accept it for what it is. If okay. you're trying to think. Now, it's too long. and But I think that's a superhero movie problem in general. If okay, Infinity cool, War was too long. I was not going to watch it. I was, I was feeling like had I watched it, I was going to be all pissed you know, off and going online saying stuff. But it's I took it for what it was. You know, it's a popcorn movie. That's what it is. It's a popcorn movie. It's it's, it's set in the 80s. It's set in 1984. And it's really. Yeah, if you, if you if you tell me the terms of engagement on it and it's like an 80s fluff type of feel to the film, then, yeah, I can jump into it. I just was reading. I was reading some really bad reviews. No. And, and people are like, well, Gal Gadot is not the world's greatest actress. Yeah, it's a superhero movie, man. Yeah. Like, who are we? Like, there are very few superhero movies where you are getting Oscar caliber actors. Okay, hold That's it for a second. Let's go back to the Mandalorian just for one second. All I just right. wanted, because there was a controversy during like the second episode. I just wanted to get your opinion. Because we find out that Grogu is actually like 50 years old. He's not like five years old. He's like 50 years old. But we knew he was, so, yeah, we knew he was older than that. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I don't know how, I don't know how it works with, with Yoda baby. Maybe a Yoda baby, you know, goes 100 years old before it's an adult or something Because like remember, that. look, Yoda but, was <laughs> several hundred years like 900 old. 900 years old. Yeah, I know about that. But what I want to ask so, you is I'm about a, then, Grogu then, eating the eggs 
Grogu eating the eggs, it blew up Twitter because they said it was genocide, that he knew that he was eating the species of another sentient being. That's, so what how was that genocide? Thought, how is that genocide? What was your what thoughts on Grogu committing we genocide? Eat, we uh, eat eggs. <laughs> you eat. We are carnivores, are we not? Yeah, but so I, I, I don't I, get I, it. I, What's the problem? The, the internet the was breaking down over it because they were saying that Grogu was eating sentient beings that he knew were sentient beings. They were trying to take this lady. She, she told them that she is the last of her kind. And if her and her boy don't get together and make these, that, that's it. Their entire species is done. And in response to that, Grogu is just like, you know, popping them in his mouth like, 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 like the like it is pickle, what it is. It's a circle life, man. He's just killing it, dog. Survival, end, survival, killing it. Survival, survival. And people eat to live. I mean, creatures, you know, eat to live. That's what that boy do. was eating to live. They had more shit to eat on the Mandalorian spaceship, bro. They I had will. shit to eat on Slave One. I he will. was in the cookie jar, going, "Hey, I will. Don't put it in front of you. Don't want to get ate." <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was interesting because people were losing their mind over it, like for real, for real. But you know what people did not lose their mind over? The fact that we did find out this year that UFOs were real. Oh my God. How how messed up of a year do you have to be in to that we actually get evidence of UFOs to get the federal government to admit that UFOs are real? And And no one's talking about it. Whatever. Who gives a damn? The Pentagon, bro. It was the Pentagon. There's not like some stupid show on uh, History Channel with guy has crazy hair and Alex Jones is on there talking. This is the freaking United States of America Pentagon releasing images, videos showing UFO activities for decades and decades here in the United States of America. And no one gives a damn. And I'm shocked as shocked today about that as I was when I found out about it four or five months ago. It, it, it is. It's it's peak 2020. Like, <laughs> literally at this point, if aliens show watching. up at midnight, yeah, you know, to, on December 31st, New Year's Eve, aliens show up, we'll be like, and? Really? And, yeah, like, what's that? What's that? Okay, oh. we're ready to go. If y'all gonna blow us up, blow, go ahead. We, we've been through it all now. We see oh, it dog. All. I mean, dog, if they've been looking at this year, if this has been their reality TV show this year, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised they come down here and blow it up. Because this, this is the last season. <laughs> if they're watching yeah. somewhere in space, this was the this was the final season of this show because we jumped the shark. We jumped the shark. We jumped the shark. Absolutely. <laughs> we sure you know we need to be replaced ASAP. So uh I would not be surprised uh at that at all. But I'm just tripping on when I was a kid, me and my sister used to watch Unsolved Mysteries, right? Mm-hmm. I know everybody has a great unsolved mystery story. I mean, I never was scared of like Freddie and Jason and all I ain't gonna lie, Michael Myers used to get me a little bit, but I wasn't scared of none of those type of guys. But you put that unsolved mysteries show on when they talking about the UFOs and that music going and that dramatization, dude. That shit I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep at night after watching that. Sick. That that is how real that those UFO stories used to be. I used to get the Time Life books as a kid, just reading the stories of people that just ran into UFOs. I I, I used to yeah. They would always start off with uh you know be like this dude when when it was in the woods one night. Yeah. And he woke up six <laughs> days later in a different town and it was like yeah. Stuff like I used to eat that stuff up as a kid i used to love that type of stuff so having something like this happen and there's nothing around it no television special no government announcement no nothing just it's just a news drop like on a friday hey we you was real so i mean this this, this nation is crazy bro um uh, just a couple more things i want to hit on so we don't go too long 
Yeah. The rise of um, WAP, this being the year of WAP, because that was the most searched lyrics uh, for any song ever. Wow. And the ubiquitous, the big, yeah, ubiquitous nature now of only fans in our culture. Like self, you know, this, however folks should tend to do it. Well, the pandemic COVID made that really fans. made, yeah, COVID yeah, made. The pandemic made it jump off because it had already jumped off a little bit, but the pandemic made it go to a whole nother level because people just had to get money. They were in their house. They just needed to get money. Couldn't, you know, people laid off from their job, nothing to do. So that OnlyFans thing just spiked up, up right quick during COVID. It's crazy. It became, it, it is, it is a regular part of the culture. Yep. It's, it's something that we all know. And it's something that people openly refer to. Check my OnlyFans. And, and I, just don't, I still understand how Bella Thorne got a million dollars in one day. That to me, that is a commentary on society that that that, that is as, as telling as anything else. That Bella Thorne got a million dollars in like one day, and pretty much everyone on the site hated her for it. Yeah, because she screwed up the, the fee structure yeah, she screwed for, up everything for the regular because, people. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. because uh, I think OnlyFans changed their entire uh, little pay structure after yep. that, not giving people their money after Bella Thorne. But Jesus Christ, man, Bella Thorne that much money in one day, guys. Get out of the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. look, there's better stuff for free out there than Bella Thorne. <laughs> I'm not trying to hate on nobody, but I ain't got yeah. a dollar on it yet, and hopefully I won't do well too soon, but you look. <laughs> look, uh, I'm, I'm going to say it like this. Say, take it how you want. But um, this was in reference to the New York Knicks um, City Unit Edition uniforms. Uh, uh, they asked Walt Clyde Frazier what he thought of them. And I will apply it to this, to this circumstance as well. I've thrown <laughs> away better. I've thrown away better. Okay. <laughs> Walt said that? That's what he said about the Knicks City Clyde uniforms. Frazier. I've thrown away better. So I'm saying it in this I situation. Think Walt, my, I think somebody might come at Walt though from some of them old school outfits. Hey, you ain't coming again. Cool is not what other people think. Cool is about how you feel about yourself. Yep. And Walt Frazier is the most confident dude you gonna come across. That man well, is gonna rock this suit. Like this with some 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 dimes standing next to Walt in the most horrific. A uh, bareford jacket that that exists in mankind, or, or, or velvet uh, uh, undershirt, or or uh, vest, or something like that. So I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of people who like the way uh, uh, Clyde was rocking it. Yes, indeed. Um, you don't become Clyde in New York City just because you wear clothes. You know what I'm saying? You gotta be actually be cool. You gotta actually be cool. Clyde and Joe Namath, I guess those are the two, the top of all time in sports in New York, right? In terms of just the the legendary status of fashion and getting women. The two, well, of course, Derek Jeter. Oh, yeah, but Derek Jeter, yeah, but but Derek Derek Jeter's hit list may be the greatest. Derek Jeter, Jeter may have the greatest roster than everyone that ever existed, but Derek Jeter didn't put himself out there. Joe put himself out there. Walt put himself out there. Derek Jeter, you have to look through. You need like a, a, XB, a FBI X Files to just to find like photographs of him with people. True, <laughs> so, true. So I would put him on a different little level. Yes, but Jeter is always like it, better, on his Hall of Fame plaque. They should put his, that roster too. That they should put that. <laughs> they should put those that batting average up there too because. <laughs> Yo, that dude is a legend. Um, yeah, he kept it on the low. I give him that. He kept it on the. He kept it on the low, like no one uh, in society has has been able to do. Really, the, the I think the last thing I want to touch on, and you know, I, we I don't I don't I really don't want to go back into all the things because you and I this year talked a lot about 
the impact on um, the racial reconciling with sports. So I, 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 at first when we started talking, I was like, well, let's do it again. But no, I think we, we've, there's no, at this we point. We talked about it a lot. People yeah, there's not been on at this point. I mean, there's no. If you don't know how we feel, then you, you, you haven't paid attention. And I'm not going to redo it for well, you. Well, if you follow Dave's Twitter feed, then you better goddamn know. <laughs> I am clear. <laughs> I am mean, clear about how I sit. But what I do, I think, want to wrap up on this on is what the quarantine, what COVID and all this did to us in the sense of how we view social media, celebrity, uh, communication. This year, because of that, will forever change how human beings interact with each other. Um, And I think in good ways and bad. And I just mm-hmm. want to get your thought. My thought on the good way is I have never reached out to people that I know as much as I have because I have felt the necessity to because I don't have the option of seeing them. It's one thing uh-huh. to have the option and decline. You know what I mean? To say, mm-hmm. I know I can go see my friend, but I don't want to today. It's another thing to not be able to, to know that I cannot. Um, and, and I think for a lot of people that has caused some reconnections and new connections to be made, um, which has forced us to, to, to expand our, our groups, however it is, professionally or personally. The negative, though, is I think it's also allowed us to be more comfortable in being isolated and mm-hmm. that we may not know how to deal with each other as well once we are in the same vicinity and frequenting around each other again. I might be in that boat a little bit. <laughs> like, how do we do yeah. the little things again? Like, how do, how do, you know, I'm not single, but you are. How You know, when do, when does dating go back to being whatever it is? What does that become? Is, I broke up right before, me and my ex-girlfriend broke up right before this started. So it's like, I had a plan and how I was going to attack, you know, <laughs> try to get back into the field, this and that. And then it goes from that to just nothing. You can't do nothing because of COVID. I got lights all on me. I don't even want you to talk to get too close yeah. to my face. Like, you is know, that going to be the thing? That's going to be like, hey, girl, I got that. I got that uh, inoculation. I'm all. Yeah, I got, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got those. Look, I got those vaccines. I got that. Uh, I got my I got vaccine, second vaccine in right the here. fridge. <laughs> so it's, it's just crazy uh, the way COVID has changed. It's just everything. I think I just think the ability to to, to get in touch with someone and just talk to someone about what's going on and get them to get back in contact with you. I think that has gotten a lot better. You know, before when I was running around all the time, I wasn't checking in with everybody. Like I should have been checking in with mm-hmm. everybody. So I do think one good thing that has occurred throughout this is that I have a little closer relationship with a lot of other people in my family, just from talking to them. I mean, we go weeks, months, sometimes years, not even having like full conversations with people that we love. And I think that that is one thing that I've learned to do throughout this entire situation is have more conversations with people because we can't like see each other all the time, but we can certainly talk to one another. And I've been able to find out more stuff about people just having conversations with them than I ever had in my life. So, I mean, that might be reading a little bit something sad on my part, too, but I think COVID did help me with that mindset of being able to connect with people a little bit better, a little bit more frequently because I knew I couldn't see them as easily. And you know what? It took away the lie of being like, oh, I got to run. You know what Oh, man, that's got a lot of excuses. Huh? <laughs> Where are you going? I, I got to go. I, I got to bounce. To go to do what exactly? 
You know, like when your mama calls you. What you up to? What you up to? Uh, mom busy. I got uh, no. You ain't. You ain't. You 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 where you are. And <laughs> so uh-huh. uh, you know. So it. it but at the, at the, I, I'm 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 grateful for that. I'm grateful for that in that regard. That I have made some great friendships and um, extended some. You and I have gotten to know each other much better this year. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm glad and, for it. And gotten to work together on some things outside of this. And um, I, I, I've been excited about that. Um, and just ultimately, you know, 2021 is going to be just like every other year. It's going to be what we end up making of it. It's going to have its challenges. It's going to have its tragedies. It's going to have its laughs. Um, and I just look forward to whatever the opportunities are and, and trying to create some more. Well, I got like, I hope 2021 is nothing like 2020. And because 2020 was terrible at the same well, don't time. Don't do it the same. I don't want it to be the same. Yeah, no, that's really. what I'm saying. Because I don't, want, I don't want it to be anywhere close to this. But I do think that we do need to have ceremonial bearing, you know, uh, burial 2020 i think that that might help some i think that we need to not look at the film you know our coaches say don't look at the film just move on to the next game i think we don't need to look at the film of this i think we need to go from 19 right to 21 with our same type of you know feelings of uh positivity toward this planet and i think that would be okay a little bit better don't watch the tape of 2020 i do not want to see the film session i do not want to see the breakdown i do not want to get laughed at at film study because this was a stinker dave yes Yes, no need to review. We've moved on. <laughs> Moving on to 21. That's what we said. Like, as Bill Belichick, we, we're going ahead. To Moving 21. on, yeah. Moving on to 21. Moving on. Oh, That's man, what did we do. Did you see his ass in the press conference? <laughs> <laughs> man. Yeah, he's ready for 2021, too, man. Poor yes. Cam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we all, we all are. We all are. And I think you're absolutely right, though. I think they're, though it's purely symbolic, you know, time is what it is. And not to be too philosophical, but time is beyond us. You can't really measure it. So it's a symbol. But that symbol mentally um, can mean something. It can mean that break, that opportunity to say, that's why people create New Year's resolutions, because it's always an opportunity to restart um, do we always hold to them? No, that's why we are who we are as human beings. We are frail, we are fragile, um, and we, we are flawed, but um, it's an opportunity. And brother, I just, I, I wish you a great start to 2021, and, and I hope it, it it's the year that you need it to be. Yeah, definitely. You too, man. And I've learned a lot talking with you, man. I've listened to more podcasts locally than I ever listened to in my life this year. So I know you, I know all your buddies, even though I don't know them by face and name. Some of them I love, some of them I kind of don't like. I don't let sports not, it's sports not liking. It's not uh, a <laughs> real not liking. Uh, but man, I just, I'm just very appreciative of being able to talk with you on the, on the various shows when Harden Payton was on the radio to doing the podcast, man. I think you've gotten a lot out of me that I've had inside of me that I've been wanting to get out and now it's been able to get out and I appreciate and thank you for that and I just want to say look 2021 can't get here fast enough we ain't got but a day left for this sickness let's get up out of here Brett, tell the folks real quick how they can follow you um, and follow me online on Twitter man I'm at Hanks 3 Sports H-A-N-X the number 3 and sports. I do PEA for car. I do it for Landry. I do it for Helen Cox. We always be doing stuff with the prep stuff. Hopefully I get to do some more Pelican stuff this season that people haven't lost their minds yet, which I'm looking on Twitter and they already have five games to the season. But let, hey, let's just keep it rolling for 2021 and hopefully some good things abound for all of us. 
Absolutely. Um, y'all know how to follow me at DM Grub on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, the website, HITPwithDG.com. And don't forget to visit the store as well on Redbubble. And you can, there's a link to it on my site. Um, it's just been my honor to do this for this year. Um, and, you know, we're going to be right back at it uh, the beginning of next week. I'm going to take the first off, of course, in the weekend. We'll be right back at it at the start of January. Yeah, brother, take a day off, brother. Yeah, I, this is since we started on July the 12th. It was the first episode of the pod. This is episode number 91. 91 episodes. Putting in that work, man. Putting in that work. So, um, and and thank you to the listeners. We're almost at 10,000 listens. Um, and that's just, you know, a testament to y'all and, and, and y'all sticking with us as I, uh, I try to get better as every guest that I have on. I hope that, th- that they've been entertaining or informative um, and, and in the role that they've been on. And I just look forward to next year and I hope y'all, y'all stick with us. Um, so for my friend, my brother, Hank Brady, I am David Grubb. And this has been the end of season one, as we're going to call it. Uh, the 2020 edition of Hard to Paint. Y'all Hard have a happy paint. new year. Happy holidays.